What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 45 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman and Core. What a crazy, wild week of NFL football. I'm ready to recap it. Let's get right into it. Yeah, for sure, Payo. I mean, a lot on the field. We sure have our uh, amounts of off-the-field action, too. So, yeah, this is going to be probably one of the most eventful weeks so far in this in this season. So, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, for sure. Tons of news in the NFL off the field. And like you said, on the field, it was crazy back and forth. We had a, we had a couple backup quarterbacks. We'll get right into that. But Corey, we'll start with Thursday. Thursday really kicked off the craziness of this week. The Green Bay Packers traveled to Arizona to play the undefeated Cardinals, the 7-0 Cardinals at the time. No Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard, no uh, Valdez Scantling for Aaron Rodgers. No problem. They dominated time of possession all game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers really didn't need to like, didn't have his, like crazy numbers. I don't even think he threw for 200 yards in this game. He leaned on Aaron Jones a lot. They kind of left the door open though for Arizona because fourth down, fourth and goal at the one. Rodgers is he pulls the ball. If you ask me, he definitely should have handed the ball off. Tried to play a little bit too much hero ball, but in the end, Green Bay's defense gets an interception. Really not because of uh, I mean, right place, right time by Rasul Douglas, but AJ Green. Absolute bonehead play, not looking back for the ball. Definitely a miscommunication there. Tough look for A.J. Green, who's honestly had a, a better season than I expected in the desert. But, um, yeah, the Cardinals get their first loss, and Green Bay gets kind of a signature win with uh, without some of their top pieces. Yeah, to start off, I mean, the Packers in this one were six-and-a-half-point underdogs. I mean, as long as number 12 is on the field, like, he's proven. I mean, he, he did only throw for 184 yards, but... He still threw for two touchdowns, was still effective. I mean, he does have um, Aaron Jones out of the backfield. Uh, he's just proven that he's a guy that he doesn't need his top weapons to be effective. I, I know his record without Devontae Adams was like 6-0. and So Aaron Rodgers just shows like he, he can get it done with whoever's out there. And, yeah, for the Cardinals in this one, I don't know, they kind of – this this team kind of – I don't know, they didn't look as dominant. I mean, obviously throughout their first seven games – but, I don't know, Kyler Murray, clearly, I don't think, was not 100% in this one. Definitely not at the end. Yeah, I mean, at the end, the the Cardinals are on the verge of, of stealing this game. And Rasul Douglas, the Nassau Community College product, comes up with a heads-up interception. Yeah, A.J. Green, I mean, that wasn't, that was, that's all on A.J. Green. I mean, there's the, Kyler Murray, well, um, threw it right there. A.J. Green just... Just continuing to block Rasul Douglas and Douglas with a heads-up play. But, yeah, I mean, now these two teams um, at the top of the NFC. And I don't know. I know we'll get to it after. I mean, Rodgers obviously not going to play this week against Kansas City. So this is a crucial one for um, for Green Bay to come out with without them even knowing what was going to happen after that. But, yeah, huge win for, for Green Bay. It sits at the top of the NFC right now. Um, and, yeah, just a big win. Yeah, I'm sure that these two teams have a real good chance of seeing each other again in the playoffs. As you mentioned, now Green Bay, Arizona, and the Los Angeles Rams are tied at 7-1 atop of that conference. But yeah, I thought that Green Bay needed this game more than Arizona. They do get this game. They did lose uh, Robert Tunyon in this game to a torn ACL, which is a shame. He really wasn't having the same season he was last year, but started really to get uh, come into his own more these past couple weeks and stuff like that. But you mentioned the biggest news out of Green Bay this week will be that Aaron Rodgers tested positive for covid and he will not be playing this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. So it looks like Jordan Love will make his NFL debut this week against the starting debut against the Kansas City Chiefs against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Chiefs team that didn't really look great on Monday Night Football. If you ask me, they got absolutely handed that game. They 
did not deserve to win, but the Giants didn't take it from them. We'll get into that a little later. But yeah, uh, that's uh, you're right. Yeah, a huge sense of urgency for the Packers. I mean, they didn't even really know at the time on Thursday, but yeah, definitely. Who knows? Because I think they were saying Rodgers, he has to be out at least 10 days. So that puts him, I think it was for Saturday, next Saturday. So who knows? Like, I mean, technically there could be a chance that Rodgers doesn't play the next two games. I don't know. I hope for his sake and the Packers' sake that he's back after uh, come week nine, it will be. Hopefully he's back on the field because with the no Rodgers, I definitely think they face an uphill battle. I'm not going to say that the Green Bay Packers aren't talented, but uh, everything centers around number 12 there. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I've like Devontae Adams out and other weapons out. Like I've said, as long as Aaron Rodgers is in the game, the, the Rodgers are a threat to beat anybody in the NFL. But if Aaron, if number 12 is not in the game, I mean, it's a whole different, uh, it's a whole different ball game. I mean, we're going to see what, uh, what Jordan Love, the the first round pick from, uh, from Utah state, like two years ago, we're going to see what, what he's, uh, what he's about. He's going to get his opportunity. And and I think, I don't know, it's obviously a small sampling size, but if he, if he can get two games under his belt as starting quarterback, I mean, it's only two games. The serving size, obviously I said, like, is not that big. But if he could prove, like, if he goes out there and he balls out, I think the Packers, I think Aaron Rodgers, it's obviously Aaron Rodgers' starting quarterback position until he, he, he says, I'm out of Green Bay or retires. But, I mean, if Jordan Love could look good out there, show some signs, I think definitely would um be some – like brightening signs for the Packers in the future and, and Jordan Love. Yeah, lots of odds on Jordan Love this game, especially with the uncertainty. It looks like it will be Aaron Rodgers' last in Green Bay. They spent that first round pick on Jordan Love with a lot of people against that pick. So, yeah, hopefully he can go out there and at least pass the eye test, you know what I mean? At least look real good. I'm not necessarily, necessarily saying he has to win this game, but give me a couple good throws here and there. Show me that. All right, like you have, you were worth the first round pick at least, and maybe you are a developmental project. Who knows? Maybe a team sees that, Rodgers changes his mind, and uh, in the offseason, Jordan Love is playing for a different team. But who knows about that? The Packers don't care about the offseason right now. They're worried about winning right now. And uh, with Jordan Love, hopefully they can do that. Core, I mentioned Jordan Love is going to be a backup quarterback this week, right? Who's starting? I mean, week eight. Um, it was a week to be a backup quarterback in the National Football League. Three backup quarterbacks win huge games for their teams. And we'll start with none other than probably the one, the best performance of any quarterback really all weekend. Mike White for the New York Jets. Uh, absolutely put on a clinic. There's just nothing else to it. Over 500 total yards of offense for the Jets this week past the Bengals. Mike White accounted for 400 of those in the air. They upset this Bengals team 34-31. I mean, there was kind of a bogus penalty at the end, if you ask me, that mm-hmm. – uh, prevented the Bengals from getting the ball back. But if you ask me, the Bengals did not deserve to win this game. They got absolutely marched on all day. They came out lazy. They came out slow. They were, after that big win against the Ravens, you know what I mean? People say it's a classic letdown spot, and that, that's the perfect definition of it right there. You get 34 points hung on your head by a backup quarterback. Hats off to the Jets, who got kind of really handed to them against New England in Week 7. But for Mike White, you know what I mean? I tip your cap. That was one hell of a performance. Yeah, I mean, Mike White out here, 37 for 45. I mean, over 400 yards, he was just playing with the, with the swagger out there. And um, the Bengals go up 31-20. The, the Jets get it, get a touchdown. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm not sure um, how this is going to – I wasn't that confident the Jets win this game, obviously, at that point. And then Joe Burrow throws a pick. Bang, Mike White to Tyler Croft. And then the Philly special on the two-point conversion, that got me hyped. And, Mike, I mean, it's just like a game. Mike White's out here just balling. 
I mean, you're Mike White in this position. You got nothing to lose. You're literally a 26-year-old out of Western Kentucky. The Jets, the Jets' future is supposed to be Zach Wilson, who's currently hurt. I mean, you just go out there, just ball out, and just make stuff happen. That's exactly what he did. And I think, like you said, I mean, this league's all about opportunity. Mike White just keeps going. If he can keep this up, even if you look at his stats from the from the previous game against New England, I know he came in. It was already like a blowout game, but he honestly. He did not look bad in that game either. Obviously, came out here and balled out. I don't know. He continues to play good. Definitely could. Um, he'll definitely stay around in this league, if not be a starter. I mean, it's only one game, but um, definitely some performance in his first in his first start as a rookie. Him and Cam Newton, the only two rookies in their debut in like their first starting game over 400 yards. One of the best debut starts, like you just mentioned, with Cam Newton up there. He play, played with nothing to lose. I agree with you. I thought that when the Bengals scored the touchdown to go up 31-20, I was like, all right. I was like, they finally have a comfortable lead, a two-possession lead midway through the fourth quarter. Like, there's no way, right? Jets come down, they score a touchdown, and Joe Burrow throws an awful interception. And once Joe Burrow honestly threw the interception, I was like, oh, they're, they're buried. The defense is getting a stop. That defense should be flat out embarrassed of that performance. And I think it just speaks volumes of like, there are good teams in the NFL, and there are great teams in the NFL. The Cincinnati Bengals got a good, a great victory against the Baltimore Ravens. And they showed everybody this past week that they, are, they aren't a great team yet in the NFL. They're a good team. Great teams would take care of this Jets game. You know, that doesn't happen. You know, you don't have a letdown spot if you're the Green Bay Packers in this, like, going to play the Jets. Like, that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? But when you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you finally get – you haven't really had too much success in the past couple of years. You get a big win. All of a sudden, people are like, oh, maybe the Bengals are really in the playoff hunt. Maybe the Bengals can win the AFC North. No, they're not. I mean, they just showed you. I'm pissed last week that I came on here and was praising the Bengals because take it all right back. You know what I mean? But I, I didn't think Mike White could do it. I, I said to a lot of people, I said, if Zach Wilson was playing this game, I was like, maybe the Jets win. And what's crazy is that if Zach Wilson probably played the game, the Jets don't win. But that's just football sometimes. It's a beauty of the sport. Michael Carter also had a great game for the Jets. Maybe signs of future things to come. I don't think the Jets necessarily have a quarterback controversy on their hands. But listen, if Mike White gives them a couple good games, they're going to go to Zach Wilson. Of course, they spent the draft capital on him. Um, maybe Mike White could find himself battling for a spot come 2022 on a different team to be a starter, which is crazy to think about. But yeah, listen, if you're a backup quarterback in this league and you get a shot, just try to run with it. And Mike White, that's exactly what he did. Hats off to you and a good win for the New York Jets. They definitely needed that. Core Mike White wasn't the only one that got the job done. Two other backup quarterbacks this week. We'll start first down in the bayou. Trevor Simeon comes in relief for Jameis Winston and leads the Saints to a big upset victory over the Bucks. 36-27 was the final after Brady threw a late pick six. Um, I don't know what it is. Tom Brady in the regular season, the Saints are his kryptonite. He's turned the ball over 11 times in all other regular season games against the Saints. Three, uh, eight turnovers in three games, which is crazy. Had another three turnovers today. Um, you could just see that the Saints really rallied around Jameis going down. Jameis has had a pretty big impact on their locker room, even though he's really only been the, he's only been the starter this year. Uh, sad to see him go down. Simeon was more than serviceable. When he came in, I'm curious if they're going to go to Taysom Hill. It looks that way if he's back from his concussion. But, yeah, a lot to unpack here. The Jameis Winston revenge game, unfortunately, wasn't able to be completed by him. But the Saints were able to get a victory. And Jameis Winston turned in one of the most – I mean, the guy – he's the gift that keeps on giving. That video of him <laughs> dancing in the locker room on his crutches, I'm telling you, I could watch that in five years and still burst down to laughter. It's it's awesome. It's just Jameis Winston at – in his peak. Like I love Jameis Winston. I was nothing from the, nothing but the best for him at a speedy recovery, but a huge win for the saints defense for the saints, uh, particularly their defense. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I'll start with that Jameis Winston video, like you said, that video is just hilarious. This guy's just on his crutches, but he's still vibing out because the team got a W. But yeah, I mean, Trevor Simeon comes into this game when um, when Jameis Winston goes down, and Simeon, unlike Mike White, who who honestly went out and bowled out, have had over 405 yards. Simeon played more of a game manager role. But I mean, when you have a really good defense like the Saints have. I mean, that's all That's all Sean Payton is really asking from his quarterback at, at this point. I mean, even Jameis. Jameis is really not – like, he's not balled out like he was throwing in, in, in Tampa. Like, Tampa, he was throwing – had the most yards in the league. Like, he's probably – he's probably in the bottom half, definitely the bottom half, like, of yards um, Jameis was. So, yeah, I mean, Simeon comes in here, gets the job done. I mean, you're saying they're, they're probably going to go with Taysom Hill if he's back? I don't know. I mean, I think they just got the win. Trevor Simeon looked serviceable. I mean, I would stay with Trevor Simeon, obviously. Just like, I know Taysom Hill came in and started um, a lot of games last year at quarterback, but I don't know. Taysom Hill to me is just not, I don't know. I think he's, Taysom Hill's obviously better in like his other type of role where he's able to just like uh, come out of like a wildcat formation and do stuff like that. But yeah, he he proved last year he could throw the ball a little, so we'll see. But personally, I, I'd rock with Simeon still um, in week nine, personally. That's fair. They do have Ian Book as well there. I'm not sure if he's was just inactive because he wasn't injured or stuff like that. But obviously, I mean, you probably wouldn't bring in three quarterbacks to a game as well. So I wonder if maybe he gets in the mix. I don't think so. I think if, it's, if you're going to go like a more on the conservative side, go with uh, Trevor Simeon has a little bit more experience. I started before in the NFL. I personally think their ceiling is just higher with Taysom Hill. I know he went three and one last year as a starter. He lost that one game to the Eagles. And then they ended up going to Drew Brees uh, in that regular season game against the Chiefs. Listen, I'll start with uh, uh, switch gears real quick to the Bucs. I don't think the Bucs are in trouble at all. Uh, Tom Brady, he's not going to see the Saints defense in the regular season. But he's only going to see them one more time. You know what I mean? Like he's not, I, I'm not overreacting about the Bucs losing this game. I think this makes an interest, like you can make an interesting argument now with the Saints potentially being a playoff team. Like I said, I don't think they end up winning the division. I think it's still the Bucs division to lose, but no Michael Thomas for the rest of the year, too. That was just announced, I believe, yesterday that he would be out for the rest of the year. So that definitely hurts. I mean, now you don't have your quarterback, of course, and you don't have your number one receiver. I mean, obviously, they haven't had him all year, but you would have thought that it would have been a nice midseason boost to get him back. So a lot is going to ride on the shoulders of Alvin Kamara. Traquan Smith has recently come back. He's got a seven to a row. Marquez Callaway, too, has kind of elevated himself this year. So hopefully he can keep that going. But. To leave off kind of with the Saints on that, I think if they want to really be a playoff team and potentially win a playoff game, I just think their ceiling is a bit higher with Taysom Hill. You start being a lot more creative in the QB run game and stuff like that. And you don't really necessarily have to like approach it with a sense of like you have to like develop Taysom Hill into like a franchise quarterback. So you want to make sure like he's throwing the ball and stuff like that. Like just win now. And I think honestly, I think they could just be more creative with Taysom Hill at the quarterback position. I agree with you in the sense that Taysom Hill's great in his gadget role. And when he's at quarterback, you can't do a lot of that stuff. But I don't know. I mean, it's also because I just want to kind of see Taysom Hill for the exciting factor. You know what I mean? Like watching the Saints offense with Trevor Simeon. I mean, he's going to play to their strength, which is their defense. So I don't think that's necessarily bad for the team. But I don't know. I like to see Taysom Hill take some chances and obviously run, run the ball with his legs. But um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Sean Payton's a great coach. So I'm sure he's got it all figured out. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Sean Payton, I mean, he just finds ways to um to produce winning football teams. And I don't expect anything different. I expect the Saints definitely to be there right at the end. Personally, Payo, I mean, I'm going to take you to a little bit of fantasy. I mean, as an Alvin Kamara fantasy owner, I'm probably rathering 
Simeon. Probably rathering Trevor Simeon at, at quarterback. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, even Taysom Hill, when he was healthy at, at his role, I know he was stealing a lot of touchdowns from Kamara. Now Kamara getting touchdowns. I mean, is, is um, what is Taysom Hill questionable this week? Or Taysom, like- he's still questionable. He's back in practice. Like, you also, I think he got a concussion. It was week five that he got the concussion. Then they had the bye six. He still hasn't been back yet, so that's maybe a little worrisome. But it looks like all signs are pointing to him being able to play this week. But um, even even with that, so you could say maybe they're taking him a little bit slow in practice, so maybe Sean Payton doesn't feel like great rushing him into it. So I want I want to completely hate them maybe giving him another week kind of to like don't even play him that much in this gadget role this week. You know what I mean? Maybe give him a couple snaps here and there, like under center as a true quarterback, and then uh, push him more through that in week ten. I think they have the Falcons this week, so not really a game. I, I mean, definitely a game that they want to win for sure. I mean, that's a completely winnable game at home. But it, so I don't think they have to empty the bag of tricks is what I want to say. So uh, interesting to see what, what what direction they go for. I'm definitely going to be looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I just think I mean, like you said, I think um, Taysom Hill definitely provides more upside and potential for this offense. But I don't know. I think just Trevor Simeon, like I just want to see him. I think like him winning that game against Tom Brady last week obviously was not all because of Trevor Simeon. The defense played really well. Like I just think if Taysom Hill is good to go this week, I, I think Sean Payton, uh, I think Trevor Simeon deserves to start just based off what he did la- like last week and got them the win at home. Yeah, that's fair. He definitely deserved to, uh, another start from that sense. But Corey, another guy who I don't think will necessarily get a start as long as his starting quarterback is back, Cooper Rush, a late really start. Dak Prescott hurt his calf. At the end of that week six game in New England, week seven, they're on the bye. And you're hearing some rumblings like, oh, the, the Cowboys aren't on the bye this week. Dak might not play. And then all during the week, he's not practicing. And you're like, Dak's got to play, right? And then Sunday comes around, he's on the field. And all of a sudden, they're like, yeah, we're not going to rush him. We're going to give him this week. Huh, rush him, no pun intended. And we're going to go with Cooper Rush. And, I mean, this guy was unbelievable, too, on Sunday night. Throws for over 300 yards, throws a late touchdown pass to Amari Cooper to push the Cowboys ahead. They end up winning 20-16. to 16. Uh, six and one now Dallas is, and I just keep, it's almost like every week we get on and we're like, yeah, Dallas is a good team, but they're Dallas. They're going to find a way to kind of blow this up and mess this, mess this great situation up. But I don't know, Core, do you think this Dallas like bubble, I'm almost referring it to will burst eventually, or do you think that they're able to just keep running along? Cause I mean, like this team, this team's good. I mean, again, their defense holds Minnesota was a pretty good offense to 16 points. I know Kirk Cousins didn't play great at all, but I cre- credit where credit to do with a backup quarterback against a team that if you ask me is playoff caliber on on the road on prime time you show up and you end up winning a football game I, I hate to do it I'll tip my cap to the Dallas Cowboys that's a big win hey I mean like Dallas I remember well I think it was like two years ago I think they got off to like a three and zero start ended up like losing to to the Eagles the last game of the season and like missed the playoffs like that game was for the playoffs like this game, this season for Dallas just seems, it just seems different. I, and you're saying like, is their bubble ever going to burst? And I think if this team like constructed just like the defense too, like they could just stay healthy. I mean, I, I don't know. I think this Dallas team out of 17 games could legitimately win 13, 13, 14 games. I'll say 13 games. I don't know. It's like, they're just a complete team now. I mean, the defense is so improved. Micah Parsons was is looking like one of the best picks of the draft right now, 11 tackles on Sunday night. And 
The thing is, this offensive line looks a little more healthy, and they were giving Cooper Cooper Rush a lot of time to throw. And the thing is, when you have Cooper Rush, and he's just like you just need a guy capable of throwing the ball. The Dallas Cowboys have such talented and good route running wide receivers in Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Like they're gonna get open if you give Cooper Rush enough time to just throw the ball. Like he's gonna find him if he could put it on him, and that's what he did. He threw for over 300 yards. And like, yeah, this is just a complete win for Dallas. It was a game that I think, I don't know, I think a, an old Dallas team does not pull this victory out. They were not, they were down most of this game, but it was like by a close margin. And at the end, that Amari Cooper touchdown, the defense gets a stop on Kirk Cousins. It was just a um a huge win for Dallas, and it just felt like, I think, this, yeah, this is a type of win that like is is like convincing me that like, yeah, I think this Dallas team is different. Than any other um, than any other Cowboys team in the past who who has got off to good starts. On Sunday night, Dallas could have rolled over and died because they didn't have their quarterback, but they didn't. You're 100 percent right. It just feels like felt like a feels like a different team. Feels like just a different atmosphere. You referenced that game a couple years ago. It was Week 16, I actually remember because I was going to bring it up too when they played that Eagles and Carson Wentz had nobody and Carson Wentz still goes toe to toe with Prescott and they beat the Cowboys to knock the Cowboys out of the NFC East. Eagles ultimately just need to win that Week 17 game against the Giants, which they did. And they're in the playoffs. Dallas goes home packing. But you're right. This was just, it just feels different. They finally get a big win when, honestly, you could argue that they probably weren't supposed to in Minnesota. So good for the Dallas Cowboys. They find themselves at 6-1 with a fairly easy schedule, uh, really, the rest of the way. I know, like, they play Arizona later in the year. They play Kansas City, which, I mean, should you really be that scared of Kansas City at this point? Besides that, uh, Vegas on Thanksgiving, No, nobody, not a crazy other schedule. So, uh, really sitting in the driver's seat right now, Dallas, especially in the NFC East, where no team has, uh, no other team has more than two wins. But move on to the AFC coin. The AFC has just been a complete mess. It's a bloodbath every single week trying to figure out which team is legit, which team isn't, which team, this, that. I guess I'll start with the Cleveland Browns first. The Cleveland Browns, a team that I picked to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Core, it's not looking good at all, man. They lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers played very well this past weekend, but there's just a whole ton of, there's a mess just in Cleveland right now with Odell. Uh, reports coming out this past day that Kevin Stefanski told him, you know what, Odell, just stay home. You're not practicing. Like he's telling the team that he really doesn't believe Odell's with us. Odell's got his dad making highlight tapes for him. I mean, just an utter mess in Cleveland. Kind of similar to how Odell was maybe a little bit of an off the field issue with the Giants. I'm not going to say that Odell, like, I'm not going to bash Odell because it, it, this is like I don't I don't think it's warranted if you ask me to go lash out against your quarterback and something like that you're a part of the team you know what I mean try to contribute in every single way and if you get frustrated handle that internally but it just not just not a good it, it's not it's never good when um there's always like there's a lot of tension right and there, there really has been a lot of tension between Odell ever since he's been in Cleveland but they were winning so when you're winning you know what I mean but when you lose there's a lot of pointing fingers that goes around and stuff like that and. That's what happened this past week. Cleveland desperately just needs to get back in the win column this next week to kind of put this whole mess behind them if you ask me or else uh, it could definitely linger on. Who knows if Odell's even there? I think that's crazy to say that Odell might get released, but I, I really don't think that's, that's what it's going to come to. But at this point, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, yeah, I, it is it is pretty crazy. I mean, Odell Beckham on Sunday got one target. Like, I just think that's pretty crazy. Also, I mean, Odell Beckham... I'm not saying he's as elite as he was on on the Giants in his prime, but I I'm confident Odell Beckham could still help this team um just be a better offense. I mean, they really don't if you look at like their their weapons on the on the outside like 
if Odell is just non-existent, like no, like Jarvis Landry, I don't know. Jarvis Landry to me kind of sold that game. He had some big drops, fumbled the ball, like just he didn't he did not play good. And I don't know. They're wet. David Njoku, Austin Hooper, like they really don't have any um weapons on the outside that really scare you. And I mean, Kareem Hunt is not there. I mean, Dearness Johnson had a touchdown, but Nick Chubb, like right now it seems almost they're kind of just like trying to like defenses are trying to make the Browns beat them other ways besides the run game. Obviously that's been their strength, the run game and their offensive line. Baker Mayfield did not have a great game. I thought after you saw after when he got that first down, he, he gets up getting hype. Oh, I'm like, yep. Browns, Browns are hundred percent winning this game. Jarvis Landry fumbles the ball, like the next play. I don't know. This was just, this was just a game. Like I thought the Browns would pull out in the end. They just didn't. They dropped to, to four and four. I'll give credit to the Steelers defense, but I, I honestly, I just like the Steelers. Obviously, I'm a kicker, but they didn't even have like no kicker in a game like this. I thought would actually be a big loss. Like I thought a close game like this, like if the Browns were able to just get a touchdown, I, like it was most they were done. The Steelers were done. They the Steelers were going to have to get a you touchdown. Like Presley well. Harvin, yeah, Presley Harvin's never kicked. So I don't know for the Browns offense to not be able to punch in. A touchdown against against the Steelers defense. I'll give credit to them, but I don't know. I just thought that was just that was pretty poor. And I don't know. I don't know what's good in Cleveland right now. But if they're gonna, I think you either gotta let Odell play or just just get him off the team because I think right now, I don't know. It's just kind. Of, it might be a little bit of a distraction. And I think Odell could definitely help another team um, or the Browns. So I think either play him or or just like release him at this point. I think I think you're underest like underselling it almost by saying it might be a little bit of a distraction. If you ask me, I think it might be a huge distraction. But you mentioned the Browns now four and four last technically in the AFC North. I know that division is very strong, and the Steelers have now routed off three straight victories back up right in the thick of things, especially with the Ravens on a bye this week and the Bengals losing. Almost they found themselves right back in the hunt in that division. Moving on to the AFC South core, a big game there in that division. The Titans beat the Colts in overtime, 34-31. You could say the Titans won on the scoreboard, but they probably lost the bigger picture with Derrick Henry. Looks like he might be out almost all of the regular season. I know Variable said there's a shot that he could come back potentially towards the end. Uh, this offense clearly revolves around him. This team revolves around Derrick Henry and that run game. Ryan Tannehill, a guy who really hasn't had a great season, definitely has gotten a lot better these past couple weeks. They're actually in that big win over Buffalo on Monday night and then that next week against the Chiefs. A.J. Brown starting to get really involved, having a couple huge games these past couple weeks. But – these guys are really going to have to step up and take more of the load uh, for that offense because with that, there's nobody to replace Derrick Henry in this league. So good for the, the Titans absolutely had to have that game, especially it being against the Colts. They have a comfortable lead now in that division, but with no Derrick Henry, I guess like every they're, they're a fair game. You know what I mean? They're by no means. I know there are three games up and they have the tiebreaker over Indianapolis, but this team could easily fall apart without uh, the King back there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, the Titans get a big divisional win. But in, like, the long run, obviously you lose Derrick Henry, who I was honestly thinking, like, the other day. Like, the thing that made, to me, like, obviously Derrick Henry, the way, like, he, his his rushing ability, we have not seen a guy like him in a while, just how big and fast he is. But the thing that I was even thinking that's crazier is this guy plays, like, he plays 16 games a year. And I never even saw, like, this guy I'm like, the injury report. He probably has. Like, I've never even seen this guy questionable. He's just always ready to go. And then I think that – and he finished this game. I, I mean, he didn't – he wasn't – he didn't have a great a great game in this one. I thought maybe 
it was just he was kind of ineffective. He had 28 carries for 68 yards. Turns out he was um he was battling with some foot injuries. He's probably he's gonna have surgery. I don't know. I think the Titans now at six and two. I don't know. I think I've always wondered how this how this Titans offense would be without Derrick Henry. I still think it could be good. I mean, they did get Julio Jones in the offseason. I think it's Ryan Tannehill is going to have to definitely going to have to up his game. I think I, I think he is capable. I think he's capable of doing that. I'm not saying like to an elite level, but he's going to have to start throwing the ball more. He's going to have to start hitting his weapons because he can't really rely on um, on feeding the ball 30 times a game out of Derrick Henry. So I think this Tennessee offense should still be definitely. I think it goes from an offense that was probably like a top five capable offense. I still think they should be in like the top 15 of the league. I think this should still be a top top half of the league offense just because they have weapons on the outside. I think Tannehill is also capable, but I don't know. I'm really curious to see how the um, how this offense changes. Obviously, it's not going to be as complete, but I still think they can get it done. But I think if Derrick Henry is not not healthy or back uh, by the time the season ends, I don't think the Titans really have um, obviously their aspirations probably to win the AFC. I think they could do that, but I think without Derrick Henry, uh, I don't think they could do that. You say that real well at the end. I was going to get to that. I think that the Titans could survive in the regular season with Ryan Tannehill uh, taking on a bigger role. But yeah, come playoff time, I think they definitely need Derrick Henry back there. The good news for the Titans is they bring in one of the best running backs that I've ever seen to try to replace Derrick Henry. The bad news is the best running back that I've ever seen, the guy that I'm referring to, that was in 2012 in Adrian Peterson. So I'm not necessarily sure how much big old AP can help out. Uh, I mean, I don't, where was he last? Detroit or Washington? The, the, he was with Detroit last year and then Washington, I think, two years ago and stuff. I think Obviously, his best days are behind him. Maybe he can give them some run. Jeremy McNichols also will be – in that rotation, uh, Darrington Evans, too. I know he's a little banged up, the guy from uh, Appalachian State. Hopefully they get him back as well. Uh, more in the AFC, I guess we'll go with uh, two games core. The Patriots uh, pick off Justin Herbert late, end up winning a game in L.A. That's the second straight year that they've went there and beat them. Something about Bill Belichick just seems to really have Justin Herbert's number. Uh, L.A.'s their run defense is tough. It was a bad matchup, if you ask me, for the Chargers. A lot of teams have found a lot of success running all over them, and that's what the Patriots were able to do. And then the Chiefs also staying in the AFC West. They were actually able to win against the Giants. But like I alluded to earlier, they just don't look sharp at all. They don't scare you in any way, shape, or form. They handed the game to the Giants, and the Giants were like, nah, you could have it. They had every, The Giants had every single chance in this game to win. Instead, they jump off sides here. A bad penalty goes in the other way. And, uh, yeah, they just they, they didn't deserve to win the game. Like, I don't, the Chiefs definitely didn't, if you ask me, though. The Chiefs, they're, they're just not the same offense at all. Patrick Mahomes does not look very sharp. He threw an interception in the end zone, should have had another interception that really should have, like, given the Giants the game in a sense, but it gets called back. That's besides the point. Uh, definitely nervous for the Chiefs. Uh, the Chargers, too, lost two straight games now, even that one coming off their bye. They have a big game this week. Hopefully they can get right and uh, get off the skid. And for the Chiefs' sake, hopefully uh, playing a Packers team without Aaron Rodgers, they could also figure something out on offense because uh, – they were able to like they were they were able to run the ball a lot more and they maybe committed a little bit more to that a lot of short passes too but just keep it easy with Mahomes and stuff like that the Giants again they all game they took away the deep ball from Patrick Mahomes and it was just a struggle for the Chiefs offense so definitely uh, Staley and Andy Reid got um some a, a tough week ahead of them to get their teams on the right track yeah for sure I'll start with the I'll start with the Chiefs I think uh, you've alluded you have alluded to it in like a previous uh, podcast pair like. Teams are making the Chiefs go 10, 12 play drives when in like 
what made the Chiefs like so dangerous over the last few years was like big play explosiveness. Like Tyreek Hill has 12 catches in this game for 94 yards. Like holding him in check to that, this this defense. I mean, this offense is obviously not as dangerous. You're forcing Patrick Mahomes to throw shorter passes. Obviously, Travis Kelsey didn't look great in this one. But yeah, I mean, the Chiefs squeak out a victory on Monday Night Football. But yeah, I mean, this Chiefs team, I, I mean, I would say they're kind of in trouble because obviously going into this year, they were, they were the Super Bowl favorites. And right now, there's a lot of teams better than them. I just think they're also turning the ball over a lot. Some of them not Patrick Mahomes' fault. A lot of like tipped passes. They're just going high in the air and getting intercepted. But yeah, I'll give credit to the Giants here. Even though they lost, I, I, they competed hard. Just some, just some like m- mental errors. I mean, El- Elijah Penny getting a 15, getting a big catch, and then having Awful. to like, taunt a Chiefs defender, pushing that ball back 15 yards. Like they did get the first down, but I know they ended up punting that. Like at their own like 40 something. I mean, 15 more yards. You're closer in Chiefs territory. So obviously that was a pretty big play. And then the interception, but the Giants jumped off sides. This was just just a game that seemed like no one really wanted to take it. But obviously the Chiefs getting go to four to four and four and have to get a win this week against the Aaron Rodgers Packers. And then yeah, the Chargers, the AFC West, kind of um was obviously the top one of the top conferences in the All NFL, but I don't know, two straight weeks with the Chargers taking the loss. I don't know. The the Patriots look pretty solid in this one. Justin Herbert kind of struggled a little bit uh more in this one. And I don't know, I'm not really I'm not hitting the panic button on the on the Chargers yet. But they uh clearly have not looked like the team they were through uh through five games oh compared to these compared to these last two. So I think it's a big get get right. I know Philly's pretty solid, but like they gotta Got to get a win this weekend in Philly, which is not an easy game, but I think they got to get it for their for their momentum to, to get right back on track. Yeah, I'm not too, too nervous about the Chargers yet, but uh, I, I'm a little worried I will get. They have to win that game in Philly. Exactly. If they don't, then I'm starting to really worry about them. Patriots side of things, I think maybe I wrote the Patriots off a little too soon. I thought, eh, they'd be good, but nothing too special. You know what I mean? They might hover around 500. I think the Patriots, they are 4-4 four and four right now. I think they honestly do have a chance to uh, make a run and at least get into the playoffs. I think that their roster, obviously Bill Belichick, one of the best coaches of all time, if not the best. And uh, they're just leaning on that running game. They're asking Mac Jones to distribute the ball. He's doing that job and rely on their defense. Moving more into the off the field news, we've alluded to the fact all episode that there were a bunch of stuff, especially with Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, I can't even go with the Giants. Uh, they had a couple positive COVID tests, Saquon Barkley and Xavier McKinney. Not sure about their availability come Sunday. We have Aaron Rodgers testing positive. And uh, we had the trade deadline. The trade deadline, first of all, one of the most overrated things in the NFL and the MLB. Where like I'm always spoiled by it. Even this past year, I mean, you got big names like Scherzer, Trey Turner, Joey Gallo, Anthony Rizzo getting dealt, Jose Barrios, and then in the NFL, it's a whole lot of nothing. But this year, we did get one big fish, Von Miller, uh, former number two pick by the Broncos in 2011. His tenure as a Denver Broncos is as a Denver Bronco is over. And he's going to Los Angeles to play with the Rams. The Rams give up a second and third rounder. Uh, the Broncos also agree to pay all of his salary. A great get for the Rams, who are in a win-now mode. The Rams understand that the way that their team is built, they got maybe two, three years with these contracts, and then they're kind of smoked anyway. So why not push all your chips in and go all in? Von Miller is going to wreak havoc. 
playing opposite of Aaron Donald. He's going to open so much stuff up for even Leonard Floyd on the other side. And, uh, yeah, I think this is a great get. I know Von Miller's days are definitely – best days are behind him, but it doesn't matter. This is a good get no matter what Von Miller you really get because every Von Miller is good enough. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the key um, key phrase you said is win-now mode for the Rams who – I don't know how – they, they got to have, like, no picks, like, definitely in the first few rounds. I don't know how, like, any of that works, but I know they're trading a lot of picks. But I guess the, the Rams – are, are they're one of those teams who are just priding on bringing in star talent instead of building for the future. Like obviously you bring in Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford and now Von Miller, I think. Yeah, I think this Rams team on paper, on paper, I'd say the Rams all around should be the best team in the in the NFC. But I think a super team like I'm going to yeah, I call them super team, honestly, like a super team like this. It's not like the NBA. There's five guys in the court. Like, you have to be clicking on all cylinders in the NFL. And, yeah, I mean, definitely just a good get to get Von Miller. Yeah, which I said puts them, I think, makes them the the favorite in the NFC. Yeah, as a guy who picked the Rams to be a Super Bowl champion and represent, obviously, the NFC, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little happy to see them be aggressive and go out and get Von Miller. And I think that's just what makes, like, this is why, like, the Rams, like, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence. Like the Rams see this as an opportunity. I'm not going to say necessarily like before this, that they weren't the best team. I think it was close though. You could argue that the Bucs are right up there. The Packers, even the Cardinals, you know what I mean? I'm not as high on, but a lot of other people are. You want to truly separate yourself from the rest of the pack. Go make a move. Guess what? None of those other teams did, but you did. The Packers could have went out and go get him and got, got Evan Ingram from the Giants to replace Tanya and really help out Aaron Rodgers. They didn't. What are you going to do the Rams? You go make a move. You're the aggressor here. Push the chips in the table. I love the move from Les Snead, from Sean McVay uh, to go get Von Miller. Moving on court to another topic, Calvin Ridley announced on Sunday that he's stepping away, at least for the time being. I don't know necessarily if it's going to be for good. I honestly do not think it will be for good, but Calvin Ridley cited that he needs to look out for his mental well-being, which is great. Uh I know he didn't travel to London when they played that game against the Jets, uh, citing also like something like about his mental health and stuff like that. Definitely good for Calvin Ridley to be able to speak up and know that something's wrong and stuff like that. A shame for the Falcons who have really turned their season around. Uh, they're going to be without one of their best targets, but um, for Calvin Ridley's sake, hopefully everything he's able to figure it out. And or hopefully we see Calvin Ridley on a football field in the near future because uh, too talented of a player to, um, really get robbed from us. You know what I mean? I'd love to see Calvin Ridley, obviously a former first rounder out of Alabama. So uh, all the best for him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously these guys are getting um, paid to, to play football, but if you're not like right up in, um, up in your head and your mental well being, I, I respect, I respect Calvin Ridley for, um, for stepping away. Obviously guys, obviously footballs are football is these guys passions. So for uh, for Calvin Ridley to say I'm stepping away, obviously he probably has some some mental problems or mental issues to take care of, and I wish him I wish him the best and hope to see him back on back on the field um as soon as possible. Yeah, for sure. These guys are competing day in and day out at the highest level. Obviously, they want nothing more than to be able to be successful and stuff like that. Tons of pressure on stuff on them. So for the, somebody to be able to look out for yourself, at the end of the day, that's what you got to be able to do. Also, in other news this week is the Henry Ruggs situation. Henry Ruggs was arrested for DUI, resulting in a death was the charge. He's been released by the Las Vegas Raiders. His future in the NFL, I'm sure he's not even worried about at this point right now. Just an unfortunate situation for him. I'm 
disappointed in the fact of his decision. I'm sure he regrets it. He definitely does regret it. A prayer's out to all those affected. And um, it's just a sad case, you know what I mean, with Henry Ruggs right there. Can't You, you got to think. You got to use your head and stuff like that. Clearly, he didn't. And he's going to pay a hefty price for that, potentially, his NFL career. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing um, about life and just anything. I'm not saying – I don't know anything about Henry Ruggs. I just think it's a sad situation as a whole, a guy, former first-round pick. Um, all the money he's going to lose out on to support, obviously, his family, anything like that. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know Henry Ruggs. I don't know if he's a good person. I'm assuming he, he's um, he's a good guy. He's I don't know if he's had any problems in the past, but for um, someone to probably be drunk, to be driving 156 miles per hour on, I realized, wasn't even a parkway. It was just like a normal road with, with like street like lights. I mean, that's just that's just something you cannot be doing. Obviously, prayers out to um, those affected and, and um, person who passed away. And yeah, I mean, in this case, I don't know what Henry Ruggs is going through right now, but you're, he, I think Henry Ruggs is just going to have to accept his consequences because like, you can't feel bad for Henry Ruggs. It's, it's just a sad situation as a whole to see a guy like, like, a, like a bright young receiver, like career possibly be done. I'm not saying it's going to be done, but I, I expect him to probably be out of the league for at least like two, three years. So, yeah, this is definitely a sad thing as a whole. And, yeah, hopefully Henry Ruggs could 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 learn from this. I'm not saying he deserves a spot in the league again, but I'm hoping if, if he if he does get it, if he does get a second chance in the league, whether it's in 2025 or something like that, I don't know. I just hope um he, he learns from that and is able to to be productive on the field and make smart choices off the field, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he could figure himself out. I'm sure obviously right now his football career isn't even uh, like on the, really on the, what, what he's thinking about exactly right now. But yeah, like you said, man, just extreme, extremely disappointed in rugs and his decision-making you're, you're a professional athlete. I mean, you're anybody, you can't do anything like that. You know what I mean? But especially as a professional athlete, like got to carry yourself, hold yourself to a higher standard and just, can't, you can't do that. That's dis- disgusting. But moving on, Cora, let's get back on a good topic. Let's get back to our game pick score week nine. Uh, we got a couple of real good ones this week. Obviously, last week you said the slate doesn't look too great. It's intense all day. So week nine, we got football. Let's get right to it. Cora, we're going to signal out one of our first games right here, the Browns and the Bengals, battle of the AFC North, two teams coming off a loss this past week. I ripped the Bengals in the open. Bengals are two and a half point on, or two and a half point favorites here, and I'm going against them. I don't like the Bengals at all. I'm pissed that I went back on my statement after they beat the Ravens and said that they might make the playoffs. The Bengals will not make the playoffs. That defense was sorry. Joe Burrow, yes, I think he's good. But maybe maybe getting too much praise after throwing for 400 yards. I think the Browns are a better team than the Bengals. And both teams needing a win, bouncing back. I'm going to go with the better team. I'll take the Browns plus two and a half and ultimately to win this game in Cincinnati. Hey, I know the uh, I know the Bengals just had a tough loss against the Jets. But I don't know, to hop off the bandwagon completely after one game, I guess it's understandable against the Jets. But I'm not going to do it. I'm calling a bounce back spot for the Bengals at home. Jamar Chase goes crazy like usual. I think the Bengals are out here out here get a get a win and and cover the spread with um with minus two and a half points. I just think the Browns are are a better all around team, but I don't know what's going on in Cleveland right now. Just some distraction with Odell. And I don't know, they really don't have many good wide receivers right now. And I think this game might be a little low scoring, but I think 
I'm going to go with the Bengals here to cover uh, cover two and a half. Moving on to a game that we've mentioned a couple times already, the Chargers, one and a half point favorite traveling to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. I mentioned before that earlier before the season that I do think the Chargers will be a playoff team. They've lost two tough games, like I said, to good opponents, too. They lost to the Ravens. They got smoked by them. And then that tough loss at home to the New England Patriots. But going to Philadelphia to play an inferior Phillies team, uh, an inferior Philly team that just came off a nice blowout victory against the Lions. I like the Chargers to bounce back in the spot. Give me the Chargers. Uh, to win the game ultimately i think that justin herbert can finally get right I, the eagles defense hasn't been great i know they were good last week but they were playing the detroit Lions. doesn't matter to me i think they definitely have to stop their wrong game with the eagles I, although the eagles don't have miles sanders you know what i mean they have a lot of different pieces revolving and running back at the in the running back room and jalen hurts of course that quarterback as a dual threat so chargers have to keep him in the pocket and stuff like that but ultimately i think the chargers get right and uh win this game yeah pale um key stat here the eagles have three wins on the season, 0-3 at home, 3-2 and two on the road. So clearly, for some reason, a better team on the road. I think this, um, I think this will be a really good game, though. I think it'll be a pretty, a pretty tight, close game. But I think the Chargers are, are the better team here. I think they get back on track, and I think they get a win here and cover uh, and cover the one and a half. All right, we're on the same page there. Moving on to an NFC West battle. We have the Cardinals, one-and-a-half-point favorites, traveling to San Francisco to play the 49ers. Interesting note in this game is will be the health of Kyler Murray. It looks all signs of point to him going with that ankle. You mentioned he wasn't really 100%, especially towards the end of that game, getting helped off. So last year, I do remember late in the season, the San Francisco 49ers were able to beat the Cardinals and kind of really derail the Cardinals' hopes Then they would lose in Week 17. Kyler was also banged up in that game. So Kyler, not at 100%. The 49ers have always had trouble containing mobile quarterbacks these past couple of years. The Niners just had a nice victory on the road against the Bears. Niners need this game more than the Cardinals. I'm going to take the Niners to win this game. Ultimately, I think they can get back on track and put themselves right back in the playoff conversation in that NFC where the wild card picture is just really anyone's game there. I think the Niners finally get a signature win. They definitely need Elijah Mitchell to be at full health as well as Debo Samuel. Both those guys a little banged up after that Chicago game. But yeah, give me the card. Give me the Niners here with the Cardinals not necessarily at full health. Yeah, pal. I mean, I don't know if it's a good sign, but I'm also in agreement. I think, I think the Cardinal. I think the the Niners out here. No, nah, I think with Kyler Murray not at full health, and I think the Cardinals finally losing a game also. And I think a lot of teams when a lot of times when a team starts off like really good and they drop a game, it, it might lead to like another like two, three mm-hmm. in a row. And I honestly think that might happen in this case. I think the 49ers have played some close games. Don't really have a like a signature win this year. Like they've beaten the Eagles, the Lions, and the Bears. I think they're in desperate need of a signature win. And when when is a better time than um than at the crib against an NFC West? Foe, I think they get it done here and uh, and win this game against the Cardinals. All right, Cor, staying in the state of California, the Titans travel to Los Angeles to play the Rams. Rams are seven and a half point favorites. Obviously, the Titans we mentioned will be without Derrick Henry, and I think I, I think they're going to be okay in a sense. Like I said, during the regular season, they'll ultimately be able to hold on to the division. But the first game without Derrick Henry, I don't think so. I think the Rams win this game kind of big. I think that again, like not an easy to ask for Ryan Tannehill to. Uh, in your first game without Derrick Henry to go against that defense. So I like the Rams minus seven and a half year. Obviously the Titans defense isn't anything great at all. So I think the Rams are able to air it out. Cooper Cubs able to still stay on historic pace and Matthew Stafford's able to uh, get another big victory for the LA Rams. 
Yeah, I mean a Sunday night football game here. They've um they've been some pretty good games. I think, like you said, I I think the Titans will be all right without without um Derrick Henry. Obviously not as good, but this is this is tough because obviously this Rams D line is now pretty elite. But I don't know, seven and a half points, a lot of points. I definitely think the Rams win this game, but I think the Titans are able to stay within a touchdown. So. I'll take the Titans plus seven and a half, but the Rams to win the game. Yeah, listen, that's a smart pick there because it's the primetime effect, man. Every single primetime game, it just seems to get better and better and better and closer and closer. So I like that core. We'll rattle off the rest of our picks for week nine. I say the primetime effect being close. I don't think our Thursday night game in primetime will be very close. I'll take the Colts minus ten and a half there. I think the Jets just had that emotional victory, and I think, honestly, they come back down to earth. So give me the Colts minus ten and a half. I'll take the Giants plus three and to win the game against the Raiders. The Raiders, the past two years, they went, they played the Jets in that life. Then they played Atlanta last year on the East coast and they got blown out in both those games. Just not a team that plays well on the early one o'clock slate. So give me the giants there. I'll take the Cowboys minus 10 there. The Broncos. Yes, they beat Washington, but I mean, again, the Broncos four victories this year. We got the jets, the giants, Jacksonville and Washington. Nobody spectacular. They're going to play better competition. I think Dallas rolls them. I'll take the Texans to cover plus six and a half, but the Dolphins to win. The Dolphins finally will get in the win column. And the Texans, maybe they get Tyrod Taylor back. They showed, they showed some like life in the fourth quarter against that Rams game, but nothing in the first three. But, I mean, they played well against the Jaguars. I think the Dolphins are more on their level. I'll take the Saints to win the game, but the Falcons to cover plus six in that game. Patriots minus three and a half uh, in Carolina. Bills minus 14 and a half in Jacksonville. Jacksonville, again, got absolutely blown out after, off their bye. There's just... Not a lot of bright spots there. The Vikings, I'll take the cover plus six because they just seem to always play close games, but ultimately they'll lose it. So I'll go with the Ravens to ultimately win that game. I'll go with the Packers to cover seven and a half in Jordan Love's starting debut, but the Chiefs to win, even though the Chiefs will probably want to lose that game. And they'll find every single way to try to hand it to the uh, to the Packers. And lastly, I'll go with the Steelers minus six and a half on Monday Night Football. The Bears lost again with Justin Fields at the helm. He looked incredible on that touchdown run but ultimately i think the steelers defense will be a bit too much for them so those are my picks core you can take it away yeah i mean thursday night kind of an emotional win for the jets against the Bengals, but you know the mike white magic continues i'm gonna take the jets to cover 10 and a half but i think the colts get the win here you know i love to take jet spread but the other team money line so next game i mean pay you make a good point the raiders play terrible on the east coast I think the I think the Raiders take an L here. I'm gonna go with your with your Giants to get the win in this one. Broncos, Cowboys, you know what? Just give me the Cowboys minus ten. I think the Broncos are um are major frauds. Texans, Dolphins. If Tyrod Taylor is playing, give me Texans money line. But if he's if he's not, I don't know. I really think Tyrod Taylor makes a big impact. But you know, overall, I'll just take Texans money line and um obviously plus six and a half. Saints, Falcons, I'll take the Saints minus six in this one. I think um, the defense keeps it up and they're able to get enough from the offense. Patriots, Panthers, I think this should be a good game. I mean, the Panthers um, have kind of fell off also. So I think the Patriots continue going. I'll take them uh, minus three and a half. Bills, I'm taking them minus 14 and a half. The Jaguars just do not look good at all. And pay. I mean, the Vikings. They they love playing close games. So yeah, I'll take the Ravens. I'll take the Vikings plus six. But the Vikings love to lose those close games. So I'll take the Ravens to win. Um, Packers, Chiefs. 
I think the Chiefs without Aaron Rodgers just have to I think they are able to win this game somewhat big. So I'll take the Chiefs minus seven and a half. And then the last game, Steelers, Bears. I'll take the Bears plus six and a half, but I think the Steelers um come out with a win. Hey, the Monday night football close primetime game score. You're you're loving them. And I don't blame you right now. There's no reason to deviate from not taking a close game on Monday Night Football. So I, I like that pick there as much as even though I did take the Steelers. But that's doing that's going to do it for our NFL part of the show. And let's get into our NCAA parkour. We had some big, big games this past week. None bigger than Michigan State versus Michigan. And Michigan State goes down in this game 30 to 14. It doesn't matter. They come back and win 37 to 33. Really in large part because of Kenneth Walker. This guy is absolutely amazing. The transfer from Wake Forest, almost 200 yards on the ground. I think he ran for the number is like 197, five touchdowns. First time somebody's ran for five touchdowns against a top 10 team in the last like 20 years since the guy from Colorado, forget it, blank on his name. A lot of missed opportunities in this game from Michigan. Uh, had a chance to get the ball back and then they ultimately fumble. Michigan State scores. They can't score on a last drive. Um, kind of saw this coming. If like, as much as I even did pick Michigan, it's just like the, the hardball. They just haven't been able to get over the hump in the hardball era and win a big game and was no exception. Give all credit to Mel Tucker and Michigan State. What he's been able to do there is remarkable. They're ranked number three in that new college football playoff poll that we'll get to later. But a huge, huge signature win for Michigan State here to um, really validate their top ten ranking. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a tough one to swallow for um... – for the Wolverines blowing um a 16 point uh second half lead but yeah I mean Kenneth Walker the third he's just uh he's just different he's proven to be he's in the Heisman candidate definitely I'm not saying he's gonna win but probably he's probably in like the top five candidates to uh to come away with that award and yeah Michigan State now ranked third I don't think many people expected that coming into the year. But yeah, I mean, Michigan have have been good this year, but yeah, under John Harbaugh, they have not really uh Jim Harbaugh, I think. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh have not really been able to come away with some big wins and in a game like this where you had a 16-point lead against your interstate rival, just just definitely a tough one to swallow. They dropped to number 7 in the rankings, but yeah, this was, overall this was just a bit this was just a good hard-fought uh, Big 10 battle. Yeah, a lot of points in this game. I know Andrew Anthony, true freshman receiver, uh, actually from East Lansing. It was kind of a little bit of a homecoming game from really his first game that he's played for Michigan. Went for uh, six for 155 yards and two touchdowns. Had a 93-yard touchdown early in this game. Ultimately wasn't enough for him. J.J. McCarthy, like I said, even threw one of those touchdowns. But then again, he did have a late fumble that kind of ultimately cost him. Cade McNamara, the starting quarterback for Michigan, played very well in this game. Uh, probably his best game of the season. Kind of a shame that it was in a losing effort for a team that has relied on that run game all year. Finally get a real good performance out of him. And uh, kind of goes all the ways. But Michigan, like you said, they still stay in the top 10. I don't think necessarily – I think maybe their college football playoff chances are out the window now, especially with Ohio State impending on the schedule. But they're definitely having one of their better seasons still within the last couple of years. They could have – like you said, they still play close against Michigan State. Ultimately would have loved to walk away with the win. But um, definitely a better season in a sense than it has been in years past for sure. Moving on to the number one team in the country, undisputedly, Georgia. They continue their absolute dominance. They roll Florida 34-7. to Anthony Richardson got the start for Florida, and I've mentioned a lot of times on this thing. First of all, this kid is immensely talented. I think he's going to win the Heisman next year, uh, but 
a little too early for him. Tough to throw him to the Wolves against Georgia. And really, Florida was in this game early. They were down like three, they were only down three nothing with about two something left to play in the first half. Richardson fumbles on like his own like ten yard line after kind of get like the pile gets dragged and stuff like that. Uh, Georgia scores, then they throws a pick six before that happened. Before you know it, Georgia's going into the locker room of twenty four nothing, where it could have almost been three nothing if Florida was able to run out the clock. So kind of a mess there, but. For Georgia, it looks like it's going to be smooth sailing until the SEC chip. They just, their defense is just unbelievable. Stetson Bennett, it doesn't matter. That's no JT Daniels. He's doing the job at QB. I ultimately think that JT Daniels should be the quarterback for them if they want to win the national championship. But right now, I guess they're saying if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just lean on that defense and keep on playing. So uh, the Georgia Bulldogs move to 8-0 on the season, and uh, it doesn't look like they're looking back. Yeah, I mean, that's um, just the real dangerous part about this Georgia team i mean stetson bennett not saying he's bad but i think jt daniels definitely better stetson bennett curly the starting quarterback in georgia has not lost a beat i mean that defense is just i don't know yeah they're the best defense in all of um in all of college football easily just swarming um florida in this one and yeah george i think georgia like you said they're probably going to cruise to um to the sec championship game I hope we get that um, that matchup we all want, Georgia versus Bama, in the SEC championship game. But I don't know. We'll see it if, if we um, when we get there if that's the if that's the case. But right now, Georgia, it's been um, they've been cruising down in, in Athens. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll talk more about Georgia's where I what I think of them with their playoffs uh, situation in a little bit, but. Yeah, it looks almost as good as like as good as it could be, as good as Georgia could hope for, especially with Clemson early on in their schedule. You'd think that, uh, all right, well, Georgia ain't no right now. It's all, all you can ask for for them. In the Big 12 core, Caleb Williams has just revamped his Sooners offense. They went big against Texas Tech, 52 to 21. Caleb Williams, 400 yards in the air, six touchdowns. It's looking like it's Oklahoma's Big 12. It just seems like this team. Once the calendar turns to the end of October, November, they just figure something out. Last year, they got off to a tough start, and down the stretch, they were real good. Um, Iowa State had a tough loss this past week, too, in the Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma State had a nice bounce-back victory after the loss previously to Iowa State. So they're beating each other. Texas, you don't know what you're really going to get. Baylor, too, has sneaked around. It's Oklahoma's conference. They kind of got disrespected by the committee, but – yeah, Spencer Rattler got a little bit of action for the Sooners. That's how big they were up in this game. All, all in all, the best move that Lincoln Riley could have made this year was going full-time or Caleb Williams because I think it ultimately will push them potentially higher than they could have ever been with Spencer Rattler the way he was playing. So, uh, yeah, I ultimately think now they're going to run away with this conference. They do have a tough schedule coming up. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just different with Caleb Williams. They're the Oklahoma of the past couple of years when Kyler was there and Baker was there. Yeah, I mean, Caleb Williams kind of um, gives me – Kyler Murray vibes and he's been uh, he's just been balling out 14 touchdowns one interception through um his first few starts as a sooner through for six in this one and I don't know I know the uh Oklahoma was undefeated with Spencer Adler but they were like they just were not playing the same like they were squeezing by with victories at home against West Virginia games like they should not be should not be like a squeeze and since then it seemed like the energy and just the offense has been a lot better. And a 31-point win here against uh, against Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma now 9-0, and but number nine in the um, in the college football rankings. I think that might be a little low for them. I know they, ha- they don't really have, like, a, like a 
really good win, but they're nine and zero in the Big Twelve. I think they should be um a little bit higher than that. But yeah, they have uh their schedule gets a little tougher, and yeah, we'll see what uh Caleb Williams and this Oklahoma Sooners team is all about. Despite having um high expectations coming into the year, I think I think they'll be able to to keep it going. But yeah, we'll see um we'll see what they're all about. Yeah, I, I mean, I mentioned that like, maybe like I think I think they ultimately will run over the Big 12. It's still wide open because of the fact that they still play Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. Those are three tough battles there. If they make the if they end up winning out, they're going to deserve that. Play, they're going to deserve it. You know what I mean? If they if they want it, they'll get it. They'll win these games so they control their own destiny. I bet you they're very excited about that opportunity. One last thing that we'll mention in the Big 12: TCU's head coach of the last 21 years, Gary Patterson, is out there. He's going to be moving on from that role. Um, not really a whole lot to talk about with TCU the past couple of years. Obviously, I remember really the last time they were relevant was when they had um, – oh, what was his name? Trayvon Boykin was the guy's quarterback. He was like number two. And he didn't really do anything in the league. He was with like Seattle for a couple of years. But they were um, – they were either playoff team or they were just outside the playoff team in that year. But, uh, yeah, not a whole ton for Gary Patterson, but I definitely just wanted to mention that. I mean, you were with them for 21 years. was with TCU before they were even in the Big 12. So I hats off to him in a good tenure at TCU. But moving in core – to the reaction to the playoff rankings. They came out on Tuesday. Uh, I think the first thing, core is that the committee, they just love Alabama. Alabama has a loss, and they're still ranked second right behind Georgia over a plethora of uh, undefeated teams. I mean, one, do you agree with it? And, uh, yeah, I'll start with that. Like, do, do you agree with their decision? Yeah, I mean, I think Alabama, if, if you're going to tell me who is the second-best team in America, I, I personally think – it is Alabama, but I mean there are other there are teams out there who I mean like Cincinnati undefeated, but I don't know I don't I don't hate the decision for them for Alabama to be second, but I just think it could be a tad unfair because I mean I'm when you look at the eye test I think they're definitely number two, but I think through their body of work I'd probably have them around four, but. I don't. I don't really have. I don't really have a full problem with that. I think Alabama should be. Uh, I think. I just think the committee. They don't want to not put Alabama in the college playoff, despite having one loss. They definitely should still be up there. But yeah, I don't really have a, a problem. As a whole, I think they're. They are still the second best team in the country. I agree with you. I think you said that very well. I think too that Alabama is the second best team in the country. But to put them number two. I just don't think they necessarily really have the resume for it. I know they're ranked wins. They beat Mississippi State, who's now ranked. And Ole Miss, they also beat. I mean, Florida, that that two-point win doesn't really look great now that Florida's, what, four and four. Um, they have Auburn, obviously, late, uh, last game in the schedule. I think ultimately Alabama gets in, but Alabama has to beat Georgia in the SEC chip. If they don't beat Georgia, a two-loss Alabama team will not get in. So they control their own destiny. So like, I wouldn't have been mad if – the committee have them at four necessarily. Maybe if they beat Georgia, they move up to three or two. But to already have them with one loss behind, like Michigan State, who just got a big win, to even to have them against – but honestly, besides Michigan State, I guess not because, like, I don't think – I mean, I think there's a big gap between Alabama and Oregon. I know a lot of people can, can complain about Alabama, right, them um, being number two. But if Alabama played Michigan State or if Alabama played Oregon, who are ranked three and four, Alabama would be heavy favorites in both of those games. They're just a better team than them. So ultimately, I think Alabama does end up getting in with Georgia because they beat Georgia in the SEC chip, but uh, definitely threading a fine line with that because there's no room for error. Uh, one other, I guess, reaction that I have 
from the college football rankings. That 8-0, I guess, means nothing. Uh, I'll start first with Cincinnati. Cincinnati ranks sixth in the country at 8-0. I think now that all but, like, I don't want to say that kind of, like, concludes their fate, but um, unless they get a ton of help, I don't think they're necessarily going to get in, even if they completely run the table, because the committee right now sees them behind Ohio State, Oregon, Michigan State, and Alabama. They would need two of those teams to drop out, and they would need to continue winning. And that would also mean that Oklahoma doesn't pass them, with Oklahoma's ranked eighth, if you ask me. If Oklahoma wins out, they're definitely a top-four team, if you ask me. I mean, I mentioned those three games that they have left on their schedule. Then they'd also have the Big 12 championship. Even if they lose one of those games but still win the Big 12 championship, I think Oklahoma— you could argue could be a top four team and have a better resume than an undefeated Cincinnati team. So I think there's going to be a ton of moving parts there, but I think from one thing that I could gather from this is Cincinnati at six is in a lot of trouble behind Oregon, Alabama and Ohio state already. Yeah. I mean, Cincinnati in this case, I think they are in a decent amount of trouble. The fact that the committee has them behind Oregon. Yeah. And Ohio state despite those teams having a loss, is kind of tough. But I don't know how Cincinnati could really um, get in because I'm looking at it right now. I think, like I'm thinking in my head, I think Georgia, like obviously they'll continue. I think they get in. Alabama, I think they'll find their way in. And I think Oklahoma, if they're able to, to run the table, I think they'll, um, they'll obviously find their way in. And then a fourth team, I think if you have Ohio State, and Michigan State over Cincinnati right now. Those two teams play soon. Like, you're basically telling me the winner of that is probably going to be a um, the fourth team in. Unless if Michigan State wins it, like, that will, those will be the top four. Unless Oklahoma loses also, I don't know. I think it might be tough. I think, I think their best – I think Cincinnati's best chance for Oklahoma to lose and – Michigan State to knock off Ohio State. So then it would be Georgia, Bama, Michigan State, Cincinnati, which is honestly behind um, Bama and, and Georgia. Kind of a new familiar type uh, playoff. But, yeah, I think that's um, Cincinnati's best chance, in my opinion. Yeah, but even even with that, if you – like, if I want – like, I would argue that Oregon would also need to lose because I think Oregon also would – go ahead of Cincinnati right now. Oregon 7-1. I think the way that the committee has it, if Oregon wins out, they're in. And I think that's interesting, too, because I agree with you. I, th- I think Ohio State will ultimately beat Michigan State. Those, te- those two teams play in two weeks, right? So if those two teams play, then Michigan State kind of gets knocked out of the Big Ten final. So I, I think they would be done then with one loss and no um, and no conference championship, right? So that means Ohio State would play for the Big Ten championship. If Ohio State were to win the Big Ten championship, Oregon were to win the Pac-12 championship, both with one loss. I mean, Oregon beat Ohio State. If Oregon and Ohio, if Oregon doesn't get in, Ohio State does, and they both have one loss with the conference championship, the, this whole system is flawed because those two teams played head-to-head. Oregon with one loss and Ohio State with one loss. Oregon 100 times out of 100 has to be ahead of them. I don't care about the rest of the resume. They beat them. You know what I mean? Then head-to-head out-of-conference games don't matter if that's the case. So. Yeah, yeah, right. If that's the case, though, right, like then potentially an undefeated Oklahoma team could get squeezed out or, I mean, an undefeated Oklahoma team could hop both of those teams, Oregon and Ohio State, and maybe Ohio State gets knocked out, but then maybe Alabama gets knocked out. It's going to be an absolute mess, and I am so pumped for it. I mean, if Alabama loses to Georgia, I think that's Cincinnati's best shot, if you ask me. If Alabama loses to Georgia, then Alabama gets knocked out, then you get – one of those other teams in Oregon or in Ohio State to lose. But 
besides the point, I mean, I feel like I'm going all over the place with pointing in this direction. I mean, we got a couple weeks left to hopefully clear this out. It definitely will, but definitely a tough job for this committee. Core, I'll leave it off then with ultimately, who do you think ends up in the final four? Because we've been rambling now with this and that, and if scenario Z happens and scenario A2 happens, we, we got too many. Who are your final four teams that you believe right now would say November third that on november 3rd who do you think will be in the college football playoffs come the end of december yeah pal for before i uh answer that i'm gonna say quick i think you know the only way to solve this is make the college football playoff a little bigger i think a lot of teams get robbed i think maybe expanding it to eight would be a good idea but i think georgia obviously gets in i think alabama i, I just can't see a college football without alabama Getting it, I think somehow in these two teams, if these two teams meet in the college in um the SEC championship game, Alabama squeezes out a win. I think Oklahoma gets in. You know, pay. I'm going all chalk. I'm pretty um honestly, I can't. I I don't know. I definitely think those three, and I want to say Ohio State over Oregon. But if Oregon does not lose another game, like you can't put Ohio State in over Oregon. So I guess for that case, I don't see Oregon losing another game. Honestly, so. I'm going to go Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Oregon as my four. All right. I'm going to stay the same with your top two. I'm going to go with Georgia one, Alabama two. Obviously, Alabama, that means it would have to be Georgia in the SEC title. Number three, I'm going to go with Oregon. And number four, I'm going to go with Ohio State. I think Ohio State ends up beating Michigan. They end up winning the Big Ten. And I just think Oklahoma loses one of those last three games down the stretch. I think ultimately they do win the Big 12. But I think even there's a chance that if Oklahoma is undefeated and wins the Big 12, that they'll put them behind Ohio State, which I think would be crazy. But I I think your rankings make a lot of sense, too, with Oklahoma 3, Oregon 4. But I think if Oklahoma were to lose one of the games, then Oklahoma would slot at 5 behind Oregon and Ohio State. Another variable in this whole equation Wake Forest is 8-0. They have a tough schedule coming up. But, I mean, if Wake Forest goes 12-0 and completely wins the ACC, I mean, we've seen Clemson be an undefeated ACC team and be a top-four team. So why? Just because they're Wake Forest, they don't deserve to be a top-four team with an equivalent resume. Like I said, I ultimately think they don't end up winning. They have a tough road game this week at UNC that they're not even favorites in. So they, they control their own destiny, though. I think if Wake Forest wins out, they're also in, as well as Oklahoma. But craziness in the college football playoffs core. We're only going to make one game pick this week because there's only one ranked matchup. Uh, I'm not going to say that's a terrible state. I mean, you had LSU Alabama, but it doesn't really carry the same aura that it normally does. But we'll stay in the SEC core. We'll pick uh, Auburn, Texas A&M. Auburn coming off a big victory this past week against Ole Miss at home. Bo Nix has just seemed like a completely different quarterback when he's at home in Auburn versus when he's on the road. Obviously, going to Texas A&M is one of the toughest places to play in the country. Texas A&M obviously beat Alabama. That kind of really turned their season around. Since then, they beat, Te- they beat Missouri and they beat South Carolina then. Four and a half point favorites here, Texas A&M. I'm going to side with them too. I just think that Bo Nix, the inconsistency is going to continue to rise in Texas A&M. They were one of my big dogs like that I was mentioning in the preseason that this team is a lot better than like people give them credit for. Obviously, they were fifth ranked in the country last year. I think they're going to end up playing themselves into a real good bowl game. They have a great matchup next week against Ole Miss that's ultimately going to play out uh, like a huge SEC bowl game bid there. So I'm going to go with Texas A&M here, though, minus four and a half. I just think that Bo Nix ultimately falls short in this one. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Texas A&M definitely is a pretty hostile environment to play in. Obviously, they um – they they knocked off Alabama, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm just gonna I think Auburn kinda getting a little bit on track. I know um coming off wins against Arkansas, 
and Ole Miss, I, I think they keep it going. And I think in a, in a tough environment, they're able to come away with a win. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to go Auburn money line. Obviously, the four and a half is covered. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Bo Nix to, to step it up on the road in Texas A&M's home. I'll, I'll take um, the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, listen, if Auburn also, if you ask me if they're going to want to win the game, they're going to have to run the football real well. One of the best names in college football, Tank Bigsby. <laughs> Auburn's running back. I mean, I ran for like over 100 yards last week. Almost couldn't stop. Didn't have an answer for him. But uh, yeah, it's had a good season for them back there. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. Excited for a big week in the NFL as well as college football and all this craziness. You know what I mean? You're going to have to follow us during this uh, really stretch when we're, when we're trying to figure out who's in the conference football playoffs and, and who's in when we're trying to figure out who's in the college football playoffs. But uh, that's going to do it for today. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.